came this morning. Okay, that's good. I, ho- I hope it's uh, worthwhile for you. Um, I, I really have a word from God. I think there's a number of people here today that um, what I'm going to share, which is a brand new sort of thought for me, and I've been developing it for the last couple of weeks, is we all carry questions we'd really like to ask God. So I want you to think, if you could actually go face-to-face with God right now, what's the one question you'd really like to ask him? I think we're all quite similar, regardless of how long we've been a Christian or how deep we feel our faith is. We all have questions we want to bring to God. And as I was considering about questioning God, like what, why do we do it? What's, why does God allow us to do it? Are we being um, disrespectful when we bring our questions to God? And the more I thought about it and was reading a couple of scriptures, I'm going to show you a few of them this morning, I realised that actually there's a long tradition of people who followed God who really asked him very difficult and deep questions. And he, most of the time, never actually condemned them for doing it. So I really encourage you to take a few notes. I'm going to go through a couple of things today, so take a few notes. In fact... I'm going to get you to write down in a few minutes what's the question you'd like to ask God if you have the opportunity. If you don't have a piece of paper, I've got some um, two ushers right now. So put your hand up and they'll give you a piece of pen, a pen and a piece of paper. So the one thing we all share in common is we have questions and some of them are unanswered questions. Again, regardless of our Christian experience, regardless of our maturity level, regardless of what's going on in our, in our circumstance, whether we're involved in a connect group or, you know, we still carry questions that have this sense of mystery or a sense of unanswering. And it's interesting that Charles just mentioned that verse out of um, Isaiah 64, where God says, I will answer you before you ask me. Um, because we all have questions. I think it's almost human nature to have questions. I think um, when I was considering about this whole issue and I was revealing sort of in myself about how have I questioned God over the years, what sort of questions have I had for God over the years and has there been any teaching that I've sat under about bringing my questions to God? Sometimes, I don't know if this is your experience, but I think in our form or expression of Christianity, we have such a sense of reverence, holiness, or before God, it can tinge us with this sort of concept that if I bring a question to God, it's disrespectful. Or if I'm really struggling with an issue, you know, if I'm sitting in some real pain and turmoil and I want to actually wrestle that through with God, it's actually showing that I have doubt. You ever, you ever feel that? That, you know, you can't really be sort of Honest, like a real raw honesty before God with the struggles that you really want to sort of almost have it out with him. And so I sort of want to, if I, I want to do two things this morning um, as we explore this idea. And really I'm just going to sort of raise the question and show you probably two main things. I actually want to show you that your questions are valid and God is very interested in your questions. And the second thing I want to show you today is there's, a, there's something that God's doing in you as you bring your questions to him. And so if you have this sense of um, that's disrespectful or, um, it, you know, if I question God, I have doubts. Um, maybe I shouldn't speak to God that way. I want to sort of relieve some of that anxiety and 
encourage you to have some real honesty before God. Now, just think about the scripture that Charles just read out, which, by the way, we we didn't cohort here at all. Um, So Isaiah 64 that he just read, if, if God says, before you call, I will answer, don't you think he already knows what's in your head or what's in your heart? Is it really going to catch him off guard? Is he going to say, oh, no, Greg's asked me that question. I was just hoping he'd never bring that up again. Is he really going to act like that? Or is he going to get angry with me? Because I wonder whether our relationships maybe with some other significant people in our lives, you know, maybe you had a parent that if you brought questions to them, they would actually respond in anger. And maybe we're transferring that to our relationship with God where we feel like if I bring up a question, it's disrespect. You know, it's a bit like the old Kingswood Country show, you know, don't dad me, son, I'm your father sort of thing, right? And I think if we feel that, if we feel or if we carry this idea that if I have this burning question that's actually creating some difficulty in my relationship with God, I can't mention it. If I, if I speak it out loud, then maybe God will strike with, with lightning. Maybe that'll be the end of me. Um, and what, you know what troubles me about that, if, if you're wired that way? What troubles me for you is then that where's the honesty in your relationship with God? Because certainly when I look at Bible uh, records of godly men and women, they not only brought their questions to God, they actually had it out with him one-on-one. And sometimes as a result, God actually changed his mind. That's, that's a bit radical, right? So just keep in mind, I want to validate that your questions have meaning and purpose. That, that God's interested in your questions. He wants you to actually bring them before him. And I'm going to show you that in a few minutes. And the second thing that there's something going on in you, and I'm going to reveal what I think that is, and this is really from my own experience with my questions that I've brought before God, is that God's doing something in us when he allows us to actually wrestle with him over an issue that's unresolved in our own heart or in our own mind. So I don't think we're really disrespecting God by questioning him. You can disrespect God because it's more about your attitude or your intent, isn't it? So it's like when you bring a question to someone in your family or question something at work. If you're being malicious, the intent changes the tone of the questioning. But the question itself still may be valid. So I don't really think we're being disrespectful automatically towards God when we want to ask him a question. We, um, I don't think we're being irreverent. I don't think that God is um, he's not going to shy away from our questions. But I wonder what you feel like when you really have a deep question. So I was thinking of some of the questions I've asked God. In fact, the bit of paper you've got there in a pen or if you've got your little... Um, we call them a smart device, although I think they're dumb devices. But if you've got your little smart device there, I want you to actually literally write down on that paper or in your smartphone or tablet a question you'd like to ask God. I want you to think about that and begin to write it down. And I'll show you a short little video clip to give you some ideas in a few minutes as well. So some of the questions I've asked God, So you'd, some of you don't know my personal story. I never knew my father. And I used to say, God, why wouldn't my father want to have a relationship with me? Another question I've asked God is, you know, when you're in physical pain and it's quite intense and you want instant deliverance from that pain and it doesn't come when you cry out to God and you wonder why that is. Um, 
Another time I've questioned God about why um, a certain job didn't work out the way I was expecting and it, it really just went south very quickly and it created all sorts of problems. Um, I've questioned God about the way other people have treated me where I feel that, that you know, I've, I've sown a lot into them, we had a good relationship and then all of a sudden they're, they're mistreating me for no reason that I can figure out even when I ask them directly. I've questioned God about uh, the future, you know, what's the next thing God you want me to do and so I'm probably just like you, you know, you have your own specific questions but they'll be very similar probably in nature. So let me first show you a couple of scriptures about this issue about questioning God. Just to, I want to again show you. So did you know Abraham questioned God? Um, Moses questioned God. I'm just giving you a bit of a list. Joshua had a number of questions for God. Elijah, Elisha. What about Job? Job fires off a series of questions to God. Now you know the interesting thing. In fact, let me, let me read out. This is from uh, Job chapter 3, verse 20. Job says, why do you let people go on in misery? Now, he's one that's suffering, right? He's, he's got boils all over his body. His children are dying. He, his wife wants him to disown his faith. And he's, he's having it out with God. But do you know what the interesting thing is about the relationship between Job and God? Is what God says about Job. God says he's the most righteous in all the land. And he has not sinned. So questioning God doesn't mean you're actually sinning or that you're unrighteous or you're being disrespectful. Because Job wrestled with the whole thing of what he was going through. And the great mystery about the story of Job is he never discovered why he went through it. He never knew. Now we know because the author tells us at the front of the book that the devil came before the Lord and it's actually God said, well, have you considered Job? Imagine God nominating you to suffer because you're so righteous. Well, that's what happened to Job. But as far as we understand, it's not recorded towards the end of the book that Job ever knew why it happened. But it's interesting. God declares to him and his three friends, your three friends have sinned, but Job, you didn't sin. And yet Job is the one that's wrestling with all the questions. It's interesting, isn't it? I think there's actually a real pattern or theme through a lot of these Biblical accounts about why we question God and what's really going on. David's another one in a lot of the Psalms. We have a lot of Psalms questioning God. You know, why Lord? How long? Psalm 13 is one of my favourite Psalms. You should read it one day. We don't have time this morning. But he's got this consistent cry. How long, Lord? How long is this suffering going to go on? How long are you going to allow this to happen? You ever said that to God? Or do you feel like if you said that, he'd strike you with lightning? Sometimes that's how I feel. So David's another one where he just he went on and on expressing his emotion and his pain by questioning God about what was happening to him. Isaiah's another one. Um, in fact, Isaiah's got a lot of questions for God because Isaiah was sent to preach to the nation of Israel who were in rebellion to God. Imagine God nominating you to do that job. Go and speak to a people group who are rebelling. Um, you're not going to be well received. So he actually sort of, he has to double check that that's what God wanted him to do. And he actually says to God, well, God, how long do you want me to do that for? Like, you know, it's probably not going to go well. So how long do I have to do that? Um, but it's interesting that God's response to the Israelites as they are rebelling and sinning against God is he says to them through Isaiah, now listen to this. He says, come and let us reason together that your, might, your sin might be white as snow. 
So God actually invites us sometimes to actually bring our questions, reason. Some translations use the phrase, let's settle the matter. God wants us to actually come, even if we're in the wrong. So in this context, the Israelites are doing the wrong thing, but God loves them so much. He says, well, come and let's talk it out. Let's, let's get the thing resolved. Jeremiah questioned God. Ezekiel questioned God. Jacob questioned God. Gideon. Uh, Gideon's one of my favourite Bible characters because he reminds me of myself. You know, when the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and uh, Gideon's hiding for his very life. And he says, stand up, mighty man of valor. That, that's just comedy, isn't it? Uh, I think God's got a sense of humour. Samson questioned God. The Israelites had lots of questions for God in the Old Testament. Solomon, Amos, the book of Habakkuk is actually a series of questions pointed towards God. It's only three chapters. You could read that sometime this week. The 12 disciples questioned Jesus all the time. And in fact, we've got to turn to things. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 13, because this, I think this is astounding about Jesus' response to the fact that they're questioning him. So this is Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read it from the NIV, but probably doesn't really matter which translation you have in front of you. Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to read from verse 10. Let me set up the context is Jesus has just spoken about the parables of sowing and reaping. The disciples, of course, are in the crowd. They're following Jesus as he's doing his teaching in public, but they don't understand what the parables are about. So if you look at verse 10... Let me just uh, find it myself here. Verse 10. The dis- look at verse 10. The disciples came to him, this is just after he's given the parables, and they ask, why do you speak to people in parables? Now look at Jesus' response, the very next verse. Verse 11. He replied, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever will be given more, they will uh, have an abundance. Whoever does not have what they have will be taken from them. And this is why I speak to them in parables. Jesus actually, now think about this. Jesus gives the secret of the kingdom of heaven to the disciples because they questioned him about what he meant. Just, just let that hang into your mind for a moment. Jesus gives them a secret about the, how the kingdom works. That is, if you keep sowing, it will grow. You keep sowing, the kingdom grows. That's the secret of the kingdom. But he, he doesn't explain that to the crowds. But when the disciples say, what do you mean by a farmer went out to sow a field? And then he doesn't know how the seed sprouts, but he, he harvests the crop when it's ready. What does that mean? And Jesus says, well, I'll give you the secret to the kingdom. Because they asked him a question. That, that's astounding to me. Jesus doesn't tell them off. Now, other times he told them off. But at that point... Their questionings meant something. They want, they, it's like an investigation into not just meaning, but what's happening here, Jesus. Paul questioned God quite often. I mean, probably the most famous one I could quote is when, uh, of course, he asked God to take away his thorn from the flesh. And, you know, you may not like the answer he got, but he asked the question and God says, well, no, my grace is enough for you. Jesus questioned God. He questioned his father. Jesus said, if it's possible, can you take this cup from me? So 
I think it's human nature for all of us who are in a relationship with our Creator to question Him. And it's not necessarily a disrespectful or a self-righteous thing to do. It's more about your intent or your heart. And you're in good company. Just think of that list of people. I, I, I mean, that's a short list. There's plenty more. Think of that list of people who had questions for God in Scripture and God's response to them because they actually asked him the question. So pretty much every single person that we would hold up as a hero of faith has questions for God and it's recorded for us. And I think we should take courage from that and not be afraid to bring our questions before God. So we're in good company. I think we're all in good company. If you have questions, does anybody actually have, a, have questions? Put your hand up if you have a question that you'd like to ask God. It's, it's quite safe. It's lightning proof, this building. We all have questions for God. So I suggest it's all right to be honest with God. And as I said, I want to show you sort of a couple of things that one that, that if your questions are valid, God wants to actually you to bring them to him, but also he's doing something at the same time within us. So if, I, if anything, I want you to be honest. So I want you to, if you haven't already done so, write down, if you've got a question you'd like to ask God, I want you to write it down. I want you to actually put it on paper or put it on your smartphone. There's a little short clip I'm going to show you right now, a little video that might stir up some other things that you might want to write down as well. Thank you. If I could ask God one question, it would be, who created you? What about other religions? Why do you allow suffering? If I could ask God one question, it would be, what am I doing here? Why did you make me the way that I am? Do I have a purpose in life? If I could ask God one question, it would be, what do I do next? If I could ask God one question, it would be, but how can I know that you really exist? Why do people say that it's only Christianity? Is everyone else wasting their time? What about other people with genuine faith? What really happens when you die? If I could ask God one question, it would be, can you hear me? If I could ask God one question, it would be, can you give me a sign? Why don't you save everyone? How can I forgive? Why did my mum die? How do you expect us to believe in something that we can't even see? If I could ask God one question, it would be, do you really love me? If I could ask God one question, it would be, what about dinosaurs? What's the soul? Why did you make the Bible so hard to understand? Why does it always feel like my life has something missing? And if you have all the answers, then why do we have so many questions? That's an interesting thought. If God has all the answers, why do we have so many questions? So what's going on when we question God? Let, let, let's... I wish I could actually just dialogue as a, as a small group here about this whole issue because, you know, in a sense, me just talking to a large group doesn't allow you to actually input. But, you know, just because of time, I want you to take notes. And, in fact, I encourage you, in, in your connect groups, why don't you talk about this at some stage and actually talk about your questions, bring your questions up. Um, I think one of the things we're not very good at in Christianity because we have this idea that we have to always be right or have an answer to every question... We're not always very good at listening to each other. And that makes us nervous about bringing up our deep questions that we'd really like discussed with people that we trust and love. We may not necessarily get the answer that we're, we think we should get, 
And, and I'm sure you would have your stories like I have mine when I've brought up a question and the answer is actually probably not the answer that I was expecting. But it was satisfied in a different way. So effectively, I want to give you permission to keep searching, keep asking. Don't feel like you're doubting or don't feel like God's not interested or don't feel like other Christians won't think good of you because we're all exactly the same. In fact, I think God actually responds to us when we ask him questions. Um, If we just sit there and even though we have them come into our hearts or into our minds and never bring them up either in prayer or conversation or as we read the Bible because we feel like we're not, it's a sign of not trusting God, we're not, we're not actually growing inside ourselves and God's waiting for us to bring it up. And I'm going to show you why in a few minutes. So what, what causes us to ask our Father questions? Well, I believe under all, under all questions we really ask him, all humans ask God, is really the why question. Why, why did this happen? Why did you allow that? It's really why So it's not often phrased that way. It can be. But I think under most questions humans want to bring to God, it's really why. Why didn't you prevent this? Why did did you allow this? Why did I suffer? Um, It's really the why question. And I think it's human nature for us to ask God why. But I think we have the misconception that if that question was really answered specifically and clearly that everything would then be okay. I think that's a misconception. We, if we, if we, we assume if we understand the reason behind why this circumstance happened or why this suffering took place in my life, we assume that if we understood it, we'd be satisfied. But you know what? When my children have come to ask me questions when they were young, the why questions, you know, all parents out there know how many why questions you get from kids. Sometimes they get on a roll like... It's like that um, movie Uncle Buck, you know, where the little kid's always asking, but why, but why, but why? Um, It doesn't matter what you say to your child, you might give them a very specific answer that answers the question in in specific and detail, but the kid's not really, that doesn't satisfy the child, the child has another one. And I think that's really what happens between us and God sometimes. We think the answer that we're trying to get for him is actually going to satisfy us, but it's, it won't. And I, I'm, going to, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I think I'll, sh- I'll show you why, what's sort of happening in the background and what's happening within us as those things happen. We think the pain will be easier if we just understood why. And yet, we, we, as I mentioned before, Job never understood why he suffered the way he did. That why question was never answered for him. So I think there's two primary things that happens in us when we question God. Here's the first one. I think we're pleading our case. Don't you care, God? Don't you notice? I did, I've done all this for you. I mean, the disciples said that, right? Didn't Peter say that? We've left everything to follow you. You know, when the, when the rich young um, lawyer couldn't sort of follow Jesus and they got a bit shocked as they thought this successful, well-educated person should get into the kingdom of God and they're just, you know, a band of sort of, uh, well, some of them were sort of rough-neck fishermen and so their shock that he didn't get into the kingdom of God is, well, hang on a minute, we, haven't, we gave up our fishing business for you. That's a great little story. We, but that's what we say to God sometimes. I've given up stuff for you, Lord. I've served you this way. And so I think what we're doing is actually pleading our case, which is a form of us expressing how we feel. We're actually telling God 
we're not really, in some ways we're not always just asking God why, but we're telling God how we feel. I took this risk. I've sacrificed this. I've been obedient to you. And I see, you know, wicked people or sinful people seem to be going on better in life than me. What's going on here, God? Or, you know, tragedy happens in your life. And really, I think when we bring our questions, we are pleading our case, expressing how we feel to God. And we need to do that. That's one of the reasons why God allows us to question him. I think he responds to how we feel, by the way, as well. So whenever I, I, I had a friend of mine, um, when I was a fairly young Christian, um, I was doing some work with a ministry organisation and one of the co-leaders in that organisation, he used to say to me every time we talked about why, why did this happen and you know, why does God allow suffering, you know all those big questions that most people have, he would always say to me, well, Greg, every time you ask God why, you're not looking for an answer, you're looking for an argument. That's always stuck with me. I haven't seen this guy for probably 25 years. But every time we ask God why, we're not really looking for the answer. We're looking for an argument. We're pleading our case. We're expressing how we feel, which I think is valid. I don't think it's disrespectful. And again, because the Bible is full of accounts of people expressing their feelings, their sufferings, and God actually responding to that. So even when it seems that God is not doing anything on your behalf, I want to remind you he's doing stuff in the background. So just a couple of verses, and you'll know these verses pretty well. You might want to write them down. So Romans 8.28, most of you could probably quote it verbatim. It says, All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. How many things work together for good? All. All. But listen carefully, it does not say that all things that happen to you are good. That's not the same thing. Uh, My wife is at home at the moment. She broke her foot uh, a couple of days ago. And so um, I've been uh, nurse Greg, following in Charles' footsteps. And uh, also looking after, she can't get downstairs and looking after her. And, you know, when, when when it comes to asking these why questions... We think that an answer is going to help us out, but actually it's more about, even at the moment, Sue sort of being frustrated and can't move in, in, in quite considerable pain. And, you know, we've prayed for a leg, a foot, but no instant deliverance. And so I think it's healthy for, us, for both of us to express how we feel about it, whether God instantly delivers and heals or not. See, otherwise I'm treating God like he's my genie in a bottle. And again, we learn things through suffering, something we don't talk about quite a bit, but the Bible says Jesus learnt through his suffering. Suffering is a part of God's plan for all of our lives. Now, you know, we're so vitriolic in our culture and language in Western Christianity, we don't have a theology around suffering, But that's part of the journey and it's part of actually what God uses to grow and develop and mature us. So all things work together for good, but not all things that happen to us are good in and of themselves. But God's the only one that can take bad things that happen to you and use them to your benefit. You can't do that and no other human being can do that. But only God can take the bad things, 
the things that are destructive in your life that have been traumatic for you and actually make something good come out of it for you. But the thing itself was still not good, but it became something fruitful because God stepped in and took it and he made it something for you. Another one you'll know very well, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Of course, God says, to the, this is to the whole nation. This is actually not, we often read this as if it's personally addressed to an individual, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, um, which actually leads to a lot of misinterpretation. But it's actually addressed to the whole nation where God says to Israel, I have plans for you and they're good plans. They'll prosper you. Now again, we, we know these scriptures, but of course when we feel pain or we're suffering or we're, we're confused about the journey that God's got us on, it's unclear, we don't know the next step, we feel that we've been mistreated or you know, unjustly um, accused of things or we're in physical pain, we don't remember these verses. <laughs> it, it, it sort of God goes out of the picture because pain is so intense, isn't it? You know, it's so negative and strong as a feeling in our body that often we just automatically sort of God drops off the radar, at least in our minds. But I don't think God has a problem with his children bringing questions to him because he, he is working out a plan that we don't see, understand, and even if he explained it to us, we probably don't have the mental capacity to really digest what he's telling us. We're, we're finite human beings. Who can understand the plans of God? There are verses that talk about that, right? The ways of God are not our ways. And so even if he did tell us, we probably couldn't comprehend it. So maybe him not telling us is a form of his grace. So your questions matter to God. And whether you question God because of your suffering or because of um, you know, your thought process, your intelligence of trying to sort things out, Here's a scripture that I want to show you. Again, it comes out of Matthew, but Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. And I think Jesus talking about questioning him and questioning his father is really summarised by these verses. And again, you'll know them very, very well. Matthew chapter 7, and it's verses 7 to 8, where it says, and you'll see this on the, on the next slide. Thanks, Dale. You'll see on the, on the screen, if you haven't got your Bibles, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. A couple of things I see when I study this particular few verses. Obviously there's a pattern there, ask, seek and knock is the same way of saying the same thing. He's just using slightly different terminology. And it's really about seeking God's wisdom, seeking God's truth, seeking God's understanding. So whether you ask or you seek or you knock, it's about coming to God with all your questions. But what I also notice out of this passage is it's a process. Your asking is actually a process. It's, um, it's a journey, isn't it? I think we, we often in our, I think, form of um, Western Christianity, we focus on the destination or the result of what we want from God. So we want him to answer us. We want him to deliver us. We want him to heal us. We want him to save us from the situation we find ourselves in. We're focusing on some sort of result or event or instant response. 
But what I see when I see this, ask, seek and knock, that's more of a process or a journey. It's not just an event. Because actually, um, the English doesn't really draw this out very well as a translation because it's almost, Jesus is saying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It's the person who keeps doing it that actually finds the answer, has the door opened, the wisdom's granted, the truth is revealed. And I think if you want to summarise what did Jesus think about us questioning him, this is the passage. He's not afraid of your questions and in fact he wants you to actually come and ask him. So the more we can actually, this sort of summarises Jesus' view of us questioning him, the more we can specifically bring our questions to our God, I think, I think the more we develop, the more we change. Now, you may not get your specific answer. How many people, just by show of hands, have asked God a question and he hasn't given you the direct answer to your question? Just put your hand up. Just want to make sure I'm not alone. All of us. So here's a couple of things. Let let me bring this to a conclusion. I've sort of raised a couple of ideas. So let, let me remind you so far, we all have questions that we want to ask God and I think all the questions are valid. It's not disrespectful, doubting or mistrust to bring your questions to God. If you have malicious intent, then maybe it is. But I think most Christians don't ask God those, they don't question God in that sort of tone from what, I, what I've seen. The second thing is I've noted is that the Bible is full of people who question God and God not only responds to their questions, but he wants them, he keeps encouraging them to keep on asking. I think one of the things that questions does is it comes, it makes us come back to God. And here's one thought. I'm going to summarise it in this uh, next slide. Go to the next one. Thanks, Dale. This is from my experience. I think the answer that I'm often looking for from God is not actually the answer I need. I think it is at the time. So, God, do you want me to take this new job or not? I think I need a yes or a no. But really, my yearning to bring my questions and to wrestle with God about my questions is more about my relationship with him. So I think the answer is not the answer. Our relationship with him is the answer. So when my children ask me questions, even if I explain it to them and they cannot understand the answer to my question, they have a relationship with me. So you ever watched a child when they've asked a question? So I, I remember one, one, many, some years ago now, one of my daughters, when they were about five, she said to me, Dad, do you know what make love is? I nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> how, how am I going to answer that question to a five-year-old girl? Dad, do you know what make love is? And, you know, so I, I'm sort of thinking, oh, I broke out into a sweat and went all red and think, well, you know, so what do I say? I say, well, you know, when... Um, Mum kisses dad. That's, you know, she's just showing she loves me. Oh, okay. And went off and kept doing her. She didn't really care about the answer. It's because she has a relationship with me. So I, I think you should bring your questions to God, but stop being frustrated that God hasn't given you the direct response that you think you deserve because it's actually not the answer. How can you understand the mysteries of God? 
But what you're, I think why God allows us, and I think almost allows this yearning for us to come and wrestle with him over some really deep stuff that's mysterious and, and concealed, the reason why he wants us to come and actually wrestle with him is because it bonds us back together. And that's the answer. I need to be in a loving, trusting relationship with my father, regardless of his plan, regardless of his responses to my questions, regardless of the answers he does or doesn't supply me. It's a relationship of faith. My, my, my Christianity is not built on the fact that God answers all my questions the way I expect or demand him to. And if it is, it's not going to last very long. Because God is not my servant. I'm his servant. So relationship is really the answer, not the answer you're seeking. Stop frustrating yourself that he hasn't, or you know, blaming God because he hasn't given you a direct answer. Again, most of those Bible characters I've shared with you at the beginning, most of them didn't get a direct answer either. You know, it's not as if God's picking on you. He's picking on all of us. Because it's a relationship. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking because it will bond you back to your father in a more deeper and more meaningful way than even if he gave you the answer could ever do. It's the process, it's the journey of wrestling. It's it's the experience of trying to fathom the mysteries of God. But having a loving, faith-filled relationship with him at the same time. And that's all parents know that's really what happens when your children are younger. It's the same dynamic. So you don't need an explanation, you need strength. You don't need an explanation, you need to know your saviour Jesus. You don't really need an explanation, you need comfort. You don't really need an answer, you need some support and encouragement. You need to be heard you need to be understood, but you don't really need the answer that you think you deserve. We always go looking for an explanation. We ask questions like, why did that person walk out of my life? Why did he make that promise to me and then break it? Why did that person hurt me? Why did I lose my job? Why did my close friend die the way they died? Why did that person get sick or is suffering needlessly? Now, I've been asking the why questions just like you for many, many years. And just like you, I don't have a definitive answer, but I can give you the answer that I know. The, why, the answer to the why question is, I don't know why. <laughs> and God, in his wisdom, conceals things. So we think we should know, but listen to this. I think if you keep asking God why, you're just going to prolong your feelings of pain. You can still bring your questions to him, but if you just focus on why, there's, there's no answer he could give you that you could comprehend and that would comfort you at the same time. Because it's relationship. It's not the answer that you need. So listen to this, Proverbs 25 verse 2. It says, it's God's privilege to conceal things. There's a mystery to Christianity. We're like, you know, again, our Western mindset of order, structure, success, explanation, detail. We think we've got God nailed. We, we, we haven't. We're not even close. Even the Bible doesn't reveal everything about God. Because God's chosen not to reveal it to us. 
God, it's a privilege for God to conceal things from us. That's part of our faith in him. God is a God of illumination. So that's when the Spirit speaks to us. He's a God of revelation. So his written word and his son, Jesus Christ. But he's also a God of concealing, of mystery. He reveals himself through nature, through circumstance, through the Bible, through his son. And the only reason we actually know anything about God is because he chose to reveal it. The Bible actually says that God doesn't just reveal, but he conceals, and sometimes very intentionally. He hides things from us. We don't know why, but we know it, it's, it, part of that puzzle still helps us to trust him, even when we can't perceive what God is doing. So instead of living by how we feel at the moment, we're actually living in a real relationship with our Heavenly Father, regardless of our pain, discomfort, frustration, puzzlement, whatever the emotions are. God doesn't owe you an explanation for anything. God doesn't have to check in with you before he does something, with you, for you, to you. God doesn't have to get your permission before he allows things to happen to you. God is God and we're not. We, we, we act and think like we should be, but we're not going to understand why things, some things happen. The Bible says, and listen to this, this is 1 Corinthians verse 13 and um, verses 9 to 12. So if you're taking notes, it's 1 Corinthians verse 13, 9 to 12. We, this is what the Bible says. We don't know everything and our prophecies are not complete. So even, in, even after Christ and the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, we still don't know everything. And our prophesying, you know, about the end of days or whatever else, about the current situation in your life, prophecies are incomplete. Then I'll just skip down to verse 12. Now, all we can see of God is like a cloudy picture in a mirror. Later, we'll see him face to face. We don't know everything but then we'll just be, um, sorry, but then we will, just as God completely understands us, will be that. At the moment, it's like looking into a cloudy image. Even when the gifts of the Spirit move, we still don't un- understand everything. We think we're trapped by a lack of God directly answering our question, but perhaps it's one of the ways that God nurtures, protects and grows us by concealing some things from us. The answer is not the answer. My relationship with God is really what keeps me there. So God wants to, I think God wants to seek us for his guidance, for his wisdom. God wants us to actually come to him with our questions. Don't, don't be afraid to bring your questions. In fact, in a practical sense, we're going to finish just with praying together in a few minutes. But in a practical sense, I think when you read the Bible for yourself, so in your personal devotion or study time, bring your questions to God as you read the Bible. When you pray and speak to God, why don't you bring your questions to God through prayer? You you can actually speak them out loud. He's not going to curse you or get angry with you. Ask him. One of the ways it helps me as well is people that I trust other Christians is to actually bring my questions and have a discussion around the questions. 
So if you're part of a connect group in the church or you've got some trusted Christian friends, bring your questions up. But let me give you a caution. If you're the person listening to the question, don't give a, give a glib response. Because remember, the per, that person who's bringing the question up is expressing how they feel and what they're going through. And what they need is understanding, empathy, rapport, comfort. The answer's not the answer. Your relationship with them will help them, not whether you can give them a theologically correct solution. Because it is all about relationship with one another and with our Father. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray. If you've got, if you wrote down a question, I want you to hold it in your hand. So it doesn't matter whether it's on the piece of paper or on your smartphone. Hold it in your hand. And let's pray over those questions, shall we? Father, we thank you for your mercy and that before we even come to ask you, you actually do have a solution. You have an answer for us. But Lord, we know from our own experiences over the years, it's often not the answer we're looking for. And Lord, our relationship with you has to be built on trust, love, faith. Regardless of our circumstances, of our pain, of our current struggle or difficulty or trial. And Lord, I know sometimes we, we doubt ourselves or the enemy comes in and, and sort of creates this sense of shame because we have questions. But Lord, as we've read in your word today, you love our questions. You allow us to come and bring our questions. You want us to wrestle with you and, and bring them up and keep asking, keep seeking. So Father, whatever the questions are that people have written down today, the ones they have right in front of them now, I pray, Lord, that you speak into their spirits, into their hearts, into their minds. And Lord, whatever the response is that you want to give them, that they would hear your voice, even as I'm praying right now, that they would either receive a picture, an image in their mind, a Bible verse, a conversation from the past that might help. Lord, your word, your spirit to actually speak directly to them. And Father, I pray most of all that we would be a church that allows people to ask their questions and we don't judge or criticise or think less of someone. But Lord, we would walk on the journey with them. As your word says, when, when people are grieving, we should grieve. When people rejoice, we rejoice. Lord, I pray, Father God, that questioning becomes part of our normal way of doing our faith in this community, in this body, in this local church. And Lord, that our relationship with you would be strengthened from the inside out because we have the honesty, the integrity to be real with you, even in private and amongst our brothers and sisters. So Lord, grant us this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you today. I'm going to finish there. We don't need to do anything else, do we, Charles? No. Um, so the Lord bless you. Um, if you want prayer for anything in particular, so if you want someone to come and pray, we have a ministry team, just come to the front. If it's a physical need or you want to stand in for a friend or something that's been brought up, just come down to the front. We're happy to pray with you. Other than that, go and have a cup of tea and coffee and make sure you share with someone your question. May the Lord bless you. Have a good week.